welcome to the Valentine's Day episode of Everything Under the Sun, a weekly podcast answering all the most pressing questions children around the world have about life on Earth. My name is Molly, and today I have three questions to do with a very special day of love we have here in England today. It's a day everyone sends cards and maybe roses and chocolates or presents to the ones they love. It's supposed to be a secret so you can tell someone you love them without them knowing it's from you, which is a bit silly, but it's quite fun. Our first question is about roses because that's something loads of people send to others on Valentine's Day. And the question comes from Christopher. Over to Christopher. Hello, my name is Christopher. I love pirates. I'm, I'm almost four and I'm and I live in Germany. My question is, why do roses have thorns? Hi Christopher, that's such a great question. And brilliant timing because it's Valentine's Day and lots of people are sending each other roses because they're such a beautiful flower and they smell lovely. But why do they have thorns? Well, thorns, also known as prickles, are useful to roses because they stop animals who might want to eat them from gobbling them up. How it works is an animal might sniff the rose and think, mmm, yummy, I want to eat that delicious, beautiful thing. But when they try to take a nibble of the rose, they go, Ouch! Because they get spiked by the thorn. Oh no! And then they give up, leaving the rose free to grow and enjoy itself blooming in the world. So that's why roses have thorns, to protect themselves and stop them from being eaten up. Did you know some of the first flowers that grow in spring in England are called primroses? Their name means first rose, from the Latin words prima rosa, first rose. Actually, there's another flower that comes in British spring, just before primroses, called winter aconite. Looks a bit like a buttercup. Have a look around the park or your garden whenever you're out and about this week and see if you can find a primrose. They're out now, as are the snowdrops. They're all signs that spring is on the way. Snowdrops have a tough shield at the end of their pointy leaf that helps them push through the cold, frozen earth in winter. I don't mind if I don't get sent lots of roses this Valentine's Day as I'm going to just enjoy the snowdrops and primroses. I hope that answers your question, Christopher. Our next question is about another thing people send one another on Valentine's Day, and that is chocolate. This question comes from Laurie. Hi, Laurie. My name is Laurie, I'm three years old, and I love playing football with the girls. My question is, who invented chocolate? What a great question, Laurie. Well, chocolate was invented a long time ago in Mexico by a group of people who once lived there called the Olmec. They got the idea of making chocolate when they tasted the seeds made by a special tree that grows in Mexico and much of Central and South America, as well as West Africa, called the cacao tree. These wonderful trees make big pods filled with seeds called cacao seeds. And everything chocolatey you will ever eat will be made from these seeds. Chocolate ice cream, chocolate spread, chocolate sauce, and chocolates you buy for your mummy today. The first thing the Olmec invented out of cacao seeds was a kind of hot chocolate. They crushed cacao seeds up and mixed them with water to make a chocolate drink. We know this because there's a really old jug from 600 BC that was made a long, long, long time ago by the Olmec people, and it has a trace of cacao on it. So we know that they were drinking it out of that jug. After that, the Mayans, another group who also lived in Mexico, they made the drink as well, and they called it cacahuatl, cocoa water, cacahuatl. That's where we get the word chocolate. They made the drink hot and frothy by blowing bubbles into it and added chili and vanilla. The Mayans use cocoa beans like we use money 
Did you know that one rabbit was worth a hundred cacao beans? When the Spanish came to Mexico, they added sugar to the drink and took the beans home to Spain, starting a worldwide love of chocolate. Remember, too much is not good for you, of course. And just one smarty could kill a robin. So never feed chocolate to birds or dogs. Chocolate is no good for dogs. But mummies really like it, especially on Valentine's Day. I hope that answers your question, Laurie. And now for our third question, which is about something in Italy, a place where they celebrate love and beauty and are very romantic. The question comes from Riley. Over to Riley. Hello, Molly. My name is Riley. I live in South Africa, Durban, and I'm eight years old, and I love gymnastics, and my um, question is, why is the Tower of Pisa leaning and worked for? Hi Riley, what a brilliant question. Well, to answer it for you, I have Nick Ross, who is the founder of Art History Abroad, a brilliant company run by wonderful, clever people who love Italy and art and know all the best places to see art, sculpture, all over the country, as well as they know all the best restaurants. Nick takes lots of families to Italy to enjoy everything the country has to offer and knows all about the Leaning Tower of Pisa. So over to Nick. Hello, Riley. I'm Nick Ross at Art History Abroad, where people come if they're interested in art and architecture and beautiful things. And I want to answer your great question. Why is the Tower of Pisa leaning and what for? Well, the tower is a bell tower with seven heavy bells and it leans because the people from Pisa built it in a soggy field. Do you know, it's the only place I know in Italy where the grass is green and lush like it is in England, because the ground is damp. The bell tower stands next to the most important church in Pisa, called the cathedral. It's a beautiful sight. When the Pisans started to build the tower around the year 1200, it was so heavy that it started to lean in the damp ground almost immediately. In fact, if you look closely, you can see in the stonework how they tried to correct the lean by tilting the stones the other way. After a while they stopped because of a war. And when they started again, the building had settled into the ground compacting the earth underneath. And so it went on, stopping and starting for wars and plagues for 344 years until they had finished. What is amazing is that they just kept going. And this is why the second part of your question is so good. You said, and what for? Well, no one really knows, but I wonder. You see, the Pisans were really rich around 1200, and they were one of the most important and powerful cities in Europe. I wonder if they thought that it wasn't a mistake, but actually really rather cool. After all, who else has a leaning tower? And why do you or I know anything about Pisa? It's because they've got a leaning tower. It stopped leaning now because some clever engineers put concrete underneath it in 2008. But as you look around the field, past the beautiful white cathedral and the huge round building next to it called the Baptistry, you might just notice that they all lean 
just a little bit, and that the field in which they stand is called the Campo dei Miracoli, or in English, the field of miracles. And what a miracle it is that the leaning tower of Pisa still stands up. I hope that answers your question, Riley. It's a good one. Thanks so much for your brilliant answer, Nick. I love that the Leaning Tower of Pisa is leaning because it was built in a soggy field. There are lots of those around in England at the moment. I hope that answers your question, Riley, and thank you, Nick. Right, that's it for this week. Wishing you all a fun, love-filled week. Maybe you'll send someone a Valentine's card, flowers, or chocolate today. Or if you're really lucky, maybe your mummy's going to get taken to Italy for the weekend. A huge thank you to Nick Ross from Art History Abroad for talking to us about the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And of course, a big thank you to Laurie, Riley and Christopher for this week's questions. A big thank you to Ash Gardner at House of Strange for the theme song and Audio Networks for all the lovely incidental music we use this week. I'll be back next week answering more questions from children around the world in another episode of Everything Under the Sun. Do send in your questions. There's info about how to do that on the show's website, everythingunderthesun.co.uk. If you like the show, please do rate, review and subscribe and tell all your friends to do the same. It really does help. Thank you. Wishing you all a very lovely Valentine's Day. And don't forget to look out for the snowdrops and the primroses. Thank you and goodbye. (laughs) 